You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. It is Ascension Day, which the church celebrates 40 days after Easter because it was 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus that this event happened and Jesus was taken up into heaven. So um, I didn't know Mabel was going to say all that, but it's like it's right on point with it. This this whole day is about um, Jesus supposedly leaving, but not actually leaving. And so I hope we can get get into that um, that reality and that comfort tonight. Um, I'm going to admit to you that I never paid, I didn't used to pay much attention to this holiday. Um, I didn't grow up like in a liturgical church environment, so I didn't even, I knew about the story in the Bible, but um, not that it was like a thing to celebrate. And I didn't know why it mattered, but it turns out it matters a lot. I think this this event really matters a lot. It has huge and wonderful implications for us. But I didn't, before I studied it, I didn't really know that. I thought it was kind of this sad and weird um, thing to picture Jesus like floating up into the clouds um, with all of his friends like, no, they're like, (laughs) their arms are up like, no, don't go. Um, And it really looks like Jesus is leaving and it's never fun when people you love leave, right? We've all, probably experienced that. It looks like an ending. And I think this event looks like an ending until, and, and at least the disciples saw it that way in the moment. And the whole going up into the sky bit reminded me this week of when, my si- when I was little, my sister, my little sister lost her balloon. It, it was the first time she like took a helium balloon outside and I'll never forget like her wailing as this she let go of this thing by accident and it just floated up into the sky and we looked we watched we stood there and watched until we could not see like any shred of red balloon anymore and and I can still hear her crying my balloon my balloon so I thought the ascension was kind of strange and sad But it turns out to think this way about the ascension, like it's just about Jesus leaving, um, is to miss much of the point of the New Testament. So I want to kind of dive into it with you this this evening. A lot of people think of the ascension like an ending because the church has been influenced a lot by Greek, ancient Greek philosophy over the years. a lot of people assume that Jesus going up into heaven means that he must have switched into this spirit form. I always thought that. Like, he, like poof, he's, he became a spirit again. He wasn't a body. Um, because we've been taught, again, again, by Greek philosophy, not the Bible, um, to think of heaven as this other place somewhere, a non-material place. Right? Did you guys, did you guys ever think this? Like, a, that heaven is like, this spiritual place that's totally separate from the earth, um, and that there's this sharp distinction between the material and the spiritual world, like earth being the fleeting zone of flesh, 
and sin and heaven being this totally other location that's permanent and holy and spirit. At least that's what I, I was always taught. And so salvation was like supposed to be like an escape from the world to, to a disembodied place called heaven. It turns out that this dualistic idea comes a lot more from Plato than from the Bible. And recovering a biblical sense of heaven and earth, I think, is key to understanding why the ascension matters at all and what it might mean for us in 2019. When the Bible speaks of heaven and earth, it actually um, is more like two realms or dimensions that actually interact and touch and influence and interpenetrate each other. Um, these two realms might actually be like right on top of each other. We don't know. We just can't usually see the heavenly one right now. Um, I, I know this is kind of trippy, but let's think about it through the narrative of the Bible. Like heaven, heaven reaches out to earth um, and intervenes in lots of ways throughout the Old Testament. If you can think of all the stories of God intervening on behalf of his people um, until the coming of God in Christ, which is like the fruition of God's intervention. Um, I like the phrase heaven kissing earth, kind of like, um, or like an embrace, like Klimt's um, kiss painting. And although human beings killed Jesus, God won't stop with the love. He, he won't stop heaven touching earth, interacting with the earthly realm. And Jesus' resurrection opens this channel um, to the heavenly realm forever. So the biblical reading of salvation then is God reigning as thoroughly here on earth as God does in heaven, which is what the ascension begins. And I think that's why Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that prayer doesn't sound like, an, uh, like a prayer to like escape the earth. It sounds like a prayer to make heaven and earth fully come together right now. Does this make, am I making any sense? So the point of the ascension is not that Jesus left or went away, but that he took his place as Lord and commander of this whole operation. And I'm sorry to use that military language. I don't really like it, but I don't know what else to say because there is like a real victory here that Jesus won. When he, he defeated death, he opened up this channel and I think seal, really sealed this connection between heaven and earth for us. And the Bible says he takes his place next to the Father to direct this whole redemption plan now. And, he, and, he, and the place where that happens is mainly through the church, us, the church all over the world. He's directing the Holy Spirit to empower us to be transformed and to help to transform the world. The church is the place that keeps bringing heaven and earth together, bringing 
this eternal realm into the present so that we can see it um, visibly right now in our lives, even in our bodies. I think the material world is included in that. And Jesus is pulling for us. He's interceding for us, which means he's praying for us um, from his place in that heavenly realm. He's sending people to help us. He's universally commanding the work of the church in his resurrected body, giving us the Holy Spirit for insight and conviction and comfort and direction, which we're going to celebrate next week at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is our helper who enables us to keep loving and forgiving and making Jesus' grace and love known. I think the Holy Spirit reveals in us that Jesus is actually Lord, that Jesus is actually in charge in the sense that death and despair and evil don't have the last word. They don't have the last word. So the ascension of Jesus really has nothing to do with this like literal journey into the stratosphere um, or to Jesus going to another location that is away from us. I think the ascension of, is Jesus' journey to another dimension or realm that's not actually alien to us. It's not totally foreign to us. Uh, a couple years ago, our pastor Johnny made this slogan flyer that said, we know holy. And I think that's what he was talking about, that, that through the spirit, we have, we have a sense of what this other realm is like. It's actually familiar to us. We're, we're wired to know it. And it's a source of inspiration and power and direction to us through the Spirit. So Jesus didn't actually go away. I think he just raised us up. He opened our eyes and hearts to the reality of who he is. And so I think this is why the angels who appeared to the disciples, we're going to look at the scripture in a moment, but the, these angels appeared to the disciples in, the, in this moment where they're just like looking up into the sky um, confused and sad, um, just staring up at the sky, and they say, what, why, why are you just looking up at the sky? Um, I think what they're hinting at is, not too subtly, is like, get to work. Do all that you can do to make this marriage of heaven and earth come together. Heaven is here now. Get on with the mission of the church. But the disciples are kind of grasping. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these paintings or stained glass where, like, Jesus' feet are, like, sticking out of the bottom of this cloud. It's kind of silly. But um, I thought this one was interesting because the disciples are, are reaching. You know, they're grasping. They, I think they should be asking what's next at this moment of a new beginning, but instead they are really worried and confused. And they're, um, I think they're, they're caught up in what they're lacking. They're, um, they're thinking about what they're losing. And they have tiny questions and worries um, that are kind of fearful about themselves and Jesus, they, they don't really get it yet, this abundance of life in the spirit that's going to come to them. Um, 
they don't really get it, all the authority and power that Jesus is, is going to, is handing to them. They don't get it that Jesus is not really leaving, that he's going to play even harder on their team. And so they should be thinking big, um, like as big as the whole world, because that's what Jesus says to them. You're going to be my, my witnesses here and like throughout the whole world. But in this moment, they're just thinking that they've, it's over. They've lost everything, and they should go back to their old job on the small boat. And so as I was, as I was pondering that instinct this week, I don't know if you can relate to the, the disciples, but I certainly can. Um, that instinct to just kind of think too small and have this kind of scarcity mindset. I came across a leadership article from a church planter I admire. He was saying... A scarcity mindset will kill your organization over the long haul. If you think small, it will, you will stay small. If you think it's not possible, it won't be. And I wonder if 2,000 years later, we struggle with fear of scarcity as much as the disciples did. So let's look at the first chapter of Acts together. Because we're so we're moving out of Easter tide and into a Pentecost season here, in this moment. Can somebody, somebody who has good eyesight, read this out loud? This is Luke speaking. John. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to return to restore, to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thank you. So you can see there that Jesus spends... 40 days with them after his resurrection. And um, 
gives them lots of evidence that the impossible has really happened. And um, he gives them this amazing promise that they're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And again, we're going to we're going to get into that next week as we light our candles. And, and by the way, it's only one meeting at 5 o'clock next week, and we're going to potluck it too. Anyway, um, he gives them this amazing promise that the Holy Spirit, in another version of the story, that the Holy Spirit is going to empower them to do more than he has done. And that just amazes me because I, I don't know how that's possible that that um, we're going to do more than Jesus has done, except through multiplication of, like, the worldwide church, the ongoing faithful movement of the church. But Jesus gives them this great promise, and he tells them to stay. He tells them to stay, to hang on and to wait for it. And their response is so tiny, right? It's about... Their question is about, like, the political and national bounds of their little tribe. And I think if I were Jesus in this moment, I'd just be ready to give up on them because he's, like, literally given his whole life (laughs) to explain what's going on. Um, But instead, he's patient and he's clear that that little stuff doesn't really matter because he is going to give them power to be his witnesses, to be God's witnesses, right there where they are and all over the world. I don't know what it's going to take for us to get into that big vision for ourselves, but I think it's worth a try. Because Jesus is saying, you are so much more than the, the, the little stuff you're worried about. Let your dreams for yourself expand. You are God's witness. Let your expectations of me expand, I think Jesus is saying. We're going to change the world together if you simply tell, tell the story of who I am and how I love you. I think Jesus sees no limits through the Spirit's power as to how far the gospel is going to spread through their stories or how many might find forgiveness and salvation through them. And I think we're kind of living proof of that movement right here. All these years later, we heard, we got included in the movement. So through the ministry of the apostles of Jesus, the kingdom or the reign of Jesus continues to grow and spread and is established on the earth. And we... We're, we're a part of that. You know, even um, we took a leap of faith to spread it by buying this building, right? That we need to keep growing into because we have this big mission on our plates. So, again, I, I'd be lying if I said I was never stuck in, in that scarcity mindset, like worrying about the future, feeling like I'm not enough, like, there's, there's not enough. Um, and in fact, I am quite prone to feel the problems and to react by anticipating or, or trying to manage tiny things. But when I look for God's goodness, I'm normally drawn back into the reality, into reality, which is 
the reality of Jesus directing the work of the church right now. That's the reality. From the Father's right hand in his resurrected body, Jesus providing for the church and leading the church. So I noticed it again over the last few days, like my tendency to worry about tiny things and then God's tendency to provide and direct the church. So here's my little, um, I was looking back through my journal. This is my little uh, last couple of days. On Thursday, I got together with a good friend, and I thought that, uh, I thought she was going to tell me two things I didn't want to hear, um, that they were going to need to leave our congregation because they're moving to Jersey, and that her cell was going to die. I can't, somewhere in the back of my mind, I, I thought she was going to tell me that, but instead she said, this place is our home, and we're staying, and I want to start a cell for middle school kids in our church. And we brainstormed about that. And then I met with Gail. Um, she's not up here, but she was helping to paint. Um, she's the director of our play school, and she sat me down and told me, I think this is actually going to happen this fall. We passed, yeah. I think it was the first moment that I actually believed it because it's just been such a bureaucratic mess um, with the city to jump through all the hoops that you need to jump through to be a full-day child care provider. Like we feel like God wants us to do to keep making safe spaces for kids to grow and to learn and to be loved. And uh, she was telling me, that we got through another hoop and now it actually looks possible. And then Stina opened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, holy moly, this, it's an amazing Mediterranean restaurant, but it's such, it is the fruition of a long time dream for Bobby and Christina they have invested so much together um, to make this neighborhood eatery that is already giving back to the community in so many ways and bringing people together. And at the same time that Stina opened, we had an open mic here on Friday night, and a lot of people that were going to be part of the open mic were heading over to Stina instead. So I thought, oh, this is going to be a flop. Um, but it wasn't. We ended up have it got, Jesus showed up again, and we had a great time and heard some great music and met some new friends. And then um, Paul, our site manager, and Rachel and Anna covered all the brown paint that has been up on the second floor in the kids' room forever. They covered it up, and so now that room is even brighter for the kids than it was before. And by the time I got to brunch on Saturday and I was sitting at the, the, all, like the main leader, South Broad leaders came over for brunch on Saturday to kind of do some mapping like Mabel was talking about. And I was sitting around the table listening to their vision thinking, we, we have the best church leaders. Like we have the best church leaders I've ever known. And how did this happen? And they weren't even all there, but it was great. 
um, what an abundant reality this life in the spirit is all about, even when I fear scarcity. So I felt really clearly on January when I, when I took a retreat this year that, that this is a year of victory for us. Um, understanding the victory of Jesus in such a way personally and corporately that it, that it oozes out of us. And, and I hesitated to even say that because it doesn't mean we're not going to suffer. It doesn't mean we're not going to struggle because following Jesus is just like that. Um, but my, my hope and prayer and assurance I think I was feeling from God is that we would see and experience some results of our hopes and dreams this year too, that we would feel that, and I think, I think we are. So I want to close with, um, with that quote from the leadership article about scarcity you know, about um, a small mindset keeping us small and juxtapose it with the reality of the ascension, that Jesus is actually very much with us here right now, interceding for us. Maybe you can meditate on this ascension image um, as you think about your life and the church for a moment. What, um, let me read the quote again from the leadership guy. A scarcity mindset will kill your organization over the long haul. If you think small, you will stay small. If you think it's not possible, it won't be. But what of Jesus promising that power will come upon us and that we will be his witnesses here and to the ends of the earth? What would happen? if we put aside our fear about what we lack and we really actually believe Jesus. This promise of of abundance at the ascension, that God is not just alive in us, but kind of explosively alive. So before you start imagining how other people have to change in order uh, for that to happen, that's, I think that's often where our mind goes first. Think about how your life, you can close your eyes if that helps you. Think about how your life would be different if you lived out of an abundance of forgiveness and grace, an abundance of patience and encouragement, an abundance of self-control and gentleness. How would your life be different if you had this abundant, deep sense of joy in Christ? If we really believe Jesus about abundance, the abundance of his presence, how would this church be different? I don't know the answer yet, but I hope that we find out together. Let's pray. Lord, I confess that we grasp at the air sometimes like the disciples and we worry about what's next. Um, 
instead of asking you. And we're scared about all the things that we lack and we can't control. Not enough faith, money, partners, time, whatever it is. Help us to leave that in the past and to move into the abundance of you here with us now in this present moment. You calling us into your big mission and purpose to be your witnesses. Help us to trust you that you're really there even when we can't see you or feel you like Mabel was saying. Help us to trust you that you are interceding for us and that you have already won the biggest battle. Help us to bring your kingdom here with joy. Help us not to worry, but to preach your peace with our lives and attitudes. Show us what to do next as we make a new map together. And I thank you, Lord, that that heaven and earth do kiss because of the reality of who you are and what you're doing. Help us to keep living into that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.